I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, I'm Julie Gould, and this is Working Scientist, a Nature Careers podcast. This is the fifth and penultimate part of our series on careers in physics, where we're hearing stories about transitions. Now, we all know a career in science isn't easy. It takes gut, perseverance and a passion for a subject beyond anything else. So deciding to switch fields in the middle of career doesn't make it any easier. And in this episode, I speak to two people who transitioned across disciplines, one away from physics and the other towards physics. Stuart Higgins started out as a physicist at Imperial College London, where he worked on large-scale beamline experiments during his undergrad years, imagine running around large warehouses with a spanner, and also on the smaller solid-state physics experiments during his PhD. Now imagine clean room clad, small movements and delicate electronics handling. But his transition from physics to biophysics came when a postdoc position in solid-state physics he had been contracted to do with Cambridge University was coming to an end. And there had been a time limit on producing the product as he was working closely with industrial partners. Here's his transition story. So I spent just over 18 months at the Cavendish Laboratory in Cambridge using broadly the same skills but applied to a slightly different area. So where I've been working on bendy computer screens, I was now working on wireless tags for things. And a very applied project working a lot with industrial partners. And so that kind of gave me a taste of, OK, here's what companies want when they want technology. Here's what they, they're looking for. And did that taste make you think a little bit more about what was going to happen in your future career? Yeah, yeah. And especially because I knew what I was signing up for, but there was a finite amount of time on this project to to get a product working. And I realized that while I really enjoyed the kind of application areas, and I really enjoyed the goal-orientated perspective of working with industry, I also knew I wanted to do something a little bit different. Because I've been doing the same thing for quite a while at that point. And I thought, okay, can I... I don't know what it was, whether it was just having done the same thing for a long time and wanting to find something new and shiny or, or, or what it was. But it just felt like I want to carry this on, but I want to be more closer to the more fundamental side or closer to the more kind of academic science side. When you were looking for a new role after your postdoc at Cambridge had ended, how, how did that particular job search feel? Was it Was it an exciting time or was it a stressful time? To some extent, it's nice in hindsight to look back at it and think, okay, idealistically, I looked at this and I thought this and I was inspired by this. But, you know, a big part of it was also the the stress of that period and the anxiety of fundamental questions. Who am I trying to be? What kind of career do I want? All this kind of stuff. And so, yes, I was looking around and seeing other things. And yes, I was 
really happy when I saw something that brought together an interest with a set of skills I already had. But maybe now I forget that actually it was a very stressful period and I was very much just trying to find something, a space where I could be and where I could fit into all of this. So what did you do? So I moved back to Imperial College, which was never, ever planned. Just It was you know partly personal circumstances. I wanted to, to live in London and work in London, and there are only a few universities in London. They were, it was in the materials department at Imperial, and they were looking for somebody to work in bioengineering-related project who had the same skills that I'd been using in my previous two roles. And I just thought, oh, that looks interesting. I'll, yeah, do you know what? I'll just go and have a chat with somebody. Went and had a chat, and it kind of grew from there. So tell me a little bit more about that transition and how you moved from doing solid state physics to working in bioengineering, because that seems quite a big jump. I you know, really enjoyed the atmosphere and really enjoyed, I mean, I hate to say it, but actually it was like the first time I'd been outside a physics lab and realising there were different ways science could be done and different kinds of interaction and the kind of conversations I was having with biologists and chemists were different to the kind of conversations the physicists were happening, just in terms of the language and felt a lot more open and it was very liberating in the sense that there was very much no expectation I would understand much about the biology of the work I was doing because that wasn't my background. My background was in making things and engineering things on the nanoscale and so things like imposter syndrome weren't really there. It went away because I was very much an imposter. I I wasn't expected to know these things and so weirdly enough that was, was quite freeing and I could just be myself and ask lots of silly questions about well what's that and how does that work um, and not worry too much about it because there was there was no sense I should know that. You mentioned that the conversations were more open in the the bioengineering department compared to the physics departments that you've been in. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and, and what that means? I think it's more how I felt rather than objective description of, the, of how the conversations were. So like I think if I was sitting, when I was in, you know, in physics departments, I would be sitting in a group meeting presentation and kind of watching everyone. And there's always a little voice at the back of your head, which is, you need to understand this. You should understand this. Like, this is what you do. This is close to what you do. You should be totally over this. You should be able to answer all these questions about this thing. You should know exactly where all, all the stuff is. Whereas here, again, it was just, there was something about the fact you could sit in a conversation. And, well, actually, I, you know, I don't know how cells do that. It almost allowed me to ask quite, basic questions that I'd otherwise been afraid to ask in a physics lab so I could you know really question people on the fundamental fundamentals and I'm you know full credit and respect to my colleagues for putting up with it because I imagine at some point it was probably a bit frustrating um, <laughs> for them and then every now and then you come across a really fundamental question that you thought was basic and actually made everyone think and that was quite fun in itself because you could you know you're pulling apart the basics of an idea that the fundamentals of an idea one of the things that i hear a lot from people in academia is that networks are incredibly important so you moved into a, a completely new area of science so how how did you go about building up a network for yourself to help support you through your career and and develop your science i was lucky enough to go on a couple of really good conferences that were really targeted at the particular area I was interested in and they were a great way of meeting people and just having to put myself out there a little bit uh, at the start and kind of really just start to talk to people. We're quite a large research group so I was lucky to be able to kind of form a network through the people in the group as well and, and start to know who they know, meeting a lot of collaborators, basically getting involved I think was the the main thing. 
So what advice do you have for any other physicists who are interested in transitioning out of their particular field of expertise into something completely new, just like you've done? I think, I mean, who knows, but it's probably important to ask yourself why you want to make the transition. But is the transition because actually you love the science and want to do something different and interesting? And if so, do you want to apply the same skills or do you want to learn new skills? For me, it, it was a little bit of a mixture of both, but I started off by applying my microfabrication background, and then over time I picked up new skills. It's giving yourself a little bit of time to understand what your motivation is, and I guess being aware of your options as well, because there's lots of great stuff out there as well. Thank you to Stuart Higgins. Now, I really like the note that Stuart finished on, especially his advice on really being sure about why you're making a transition. And Anna Lapala, she knew exactly why she wanted to make a transition. She decided to change fields because she discovered a deep-rooted love for physics and maths during her undergraduate studies. Now, Anna started out on the undergraduate natural sciences course at Edinburgh University with the hope of becoming a neuroscientist, but along the way realised that maths and physics were more her thing. Now, as a result of the subjects that she'd chosen during her undergraduate years, Anna actually came out from Edinburgh University as a biochemist, but she refused to believe that she couldn't be a physicist she had made sure to study physics in all her spare time, determined not to let her degree get in the way of her passions. So when she was looking for a PhD, she wrote to several physicists to see if they'd support her towards her goal, a physics PhD. But sadly, she received no responses and she started to question herself and the way she was applying for positions. I started thinking about what to really write in the letter. And I wanted to clarify in my letter that in my cover letter, that really I have studied a lot of physics, but uh, I had to do that on my own. I um, studied quantum mechanics, uh, did a lot of, uh, uh, you know, just just really basic basic equations. You know, I had to uh, I had to really understand that, and I had to make sure that all that is clear to someone who's reading my looking at my application so i wrote a really really long email and uh, a research too might be interested in that and uh, i found a professor at cambridge university eugene terentiev who was a theoretical polymer physicist and i met him to to talk about what I want to do. And I had a very clear vision of uh, how I want to connect my knowledge with uh, his expertise. So it was really exciting for both of us, I think, that, you know, in these three hours of my interview, we were able to talk about all possible areas that could potentially be of interest. And, um, that that was how it started. So Anna, as a biochemist, started her dream of becoming a physicist at Cambridge University. Yet even though she was elated to be doing what she had dreamed of and worked so hard for it, it still wasn't a very easy transition. And when I came to Cambridge, um, I was terrified because, you know, everyone was coming from a pure physics degree. There there were very talented students who studied theoretical physics and, uh, you know, uh, knew a lot more than I did. And so I had to be kind of cautious, but also aggressive to make sure that no one points out that, you know, you don't even 
have a degree in physics. So it was it was a very interesting time, but I got so much support from from Eugene, who guided me from the beginning till the end, and he uh, made sure that the concepts that were not clear to me that I learn them and understand everything that I'm talking about. And uh, it, it was just an exciting time, really, one of the best times in my life. You've hinted at this concept of uh, imposter syndrome, feeling like you didn't quite belong, given that you didn't have the same background and expertise as everybody else. So how did you deal with that? How did you deal with this imposter syndrome? Um, honestly, it was quite simple. Uh, the, the first day I, I came to Cambridge, you know, I had my uh, computer and it was running Ubuntu instead of what normally people use, you know, either Macs or, or Windows. And Ubuntu is something that's kind of techy. And uh, I thought that, well, no one will find out that I'm a biologist and if, if I'm using Ubuntu. And that was just something, the operating system I was used to because I had to run my simulations. So, you know, the first thing I did, I take out my computer and start running simulations. And this was, you know, the first week. So I remember other students, PhD students who came in that year were uh, kind of terrified because they thought, oh, my God, she's really smart. She's doing all these things that we don't know about. She must be really something else, you know, when I thought that they were that. So it was it was uh, a lot of fun. But also another thing, another way of coping with it is just never telling anyone that uh, I did have a biology degree. Um, and uh, probably... The first time uh, I, I kind of faced difficulty was in my um, after my first year, where when I had an exam, and uh, you know, even though I knew everything about my topic, I was asked a very kind of random question out of my outside of my area of expertise, and this is when I realised that you know, people will understand that I'm not a kind of a real physicist and I was terrified of that so after this experience I made sure to learn more about general physics so I went to uh, I went to all kinds of lectures on physics for example quantum field theory you know I went to both courses uh, of quantum field theory that are extremely advanced, but also highly uh, engaging. And, uh, you know, I went to courses in soft matter that Eugene was teaching. And, and so I, I did immerse myself into the subject to make sure that even though there might be some, some parts of it that I was lacking knowledge on, uh, that mostly I would know what other people around me know. Why was it so important to you to yeah. hide your biology background? There's a very strong hierarchy in the system where, you know, physicists really feel that they're um, somewhere higher up uh, there with probably somewhere close to pure mathematicians who know everything about the universe. Um, 
So, you know, coming from biology, everyone was kind of, I was seen as someone who's doing soft sciences. So I could not really, it was not an option. I was going the opposite way, you know. I was not one of those fish that just kind of swim with the flow. I went against it and I had to jump many times. I had to really go against even myself. And because of my interest, which I wasn't able to control, I just had to really become aggressive to the point that I would ask uh, difficult questions. So for anybody who may be in a similar situation that you have found yourself in in the past, someone who is an outsider to physics and who is keen to transition into physics, what advice would you have for them? Well, they have to be sure that this passion is, is really something real, that it's not something that's um, driven externally, uh, it really has to come from the inside. It's not uh, a natural one. Thanks to Anna Lapala. Now, in the very final part of this series, I speak to Gaia Donati. She's an associate editor for the physical sciences team here at Nature, and I wanted to get her inside view on what is happening in the world of physics. Here's just a little preview. And I think that this is something that is characterising physics more and more, this willingness to reach out to different fields, different areas, see if, you know, the physics, so-called physics mindset uh, can, can, can somehow collaborate, can help, can, can bring insights into other areas. Now, don't forget, you can follow the Nature Curious Adventures online on Twitter, Facebook and on the website at www.nature.com forward slash careers. Thanks for listening. I'm Julie Gould. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.